And one day it'll be a big church, right? A bunch of kids. <laughs> well, God bless you. I hope you have your notes with you. Uh, we want to continue with the whole mindset on uh, evangelism and, and prayer at the same time. So if you uh, have your notes, just, just grab it and also have your Bibles ready. And, uh, and uh, turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we begin this evening. Um, one of the things that... Do I shut Yeah, thanks, man. One of the things that, um, that every Christian, every believer in Christ will have to, have to come to is a moment of their life where they're going to be challenged towards maturity. Um, Somewhere down the road, we will have to learn what it means to mature in Christ. Um, That's everyone. That's all of us. After a while, being where we are for quite a long time with no growth is not how Christ created us. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul mentions that we are to to go from glory to glory. We are to grow. It's constant growth. The Bible also talks about how we need to move on from immaturity to maturity, right? Uh, Go from the the milk of the Word to the meat of the Word. And not only just in the milk and the Word, this has nothing to do about the Word, but also has to do with just your your personal maturity as a human being. And I say you, I'm talking about in general, you're talking about us. We We are called to be better than what we are. And after a while, immaturity, um, well, it, 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 it does us wrong, doesn't it? And, and especially as we start growing in the Lord, somewhere down the road, uh, there are things that, that show at least definitions of growth. For an example, your prayer life will show that of a definition of growth. Your time of the Scripture will show definition of growth. Your connection in koinonia, if you will, your fellowship with the body of Christ shows your connection of growth. Um, the less drama in your home or in your marriages show um, a connection of growth. Um, your, 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 your study time of the scriptures will show a connection of growth. And every single one of us will have to grow, and especially when it comes to the area of evangelism. Now, write this down. Write this down if you have your notes, if you don't mind. Uh, there are... Um, There are times in our lives where, as Christians, you're going to be discouraged, aren't you? Yes, no, maybe, yes. Okay, okay make sure. Um, and whatever it is that you are, whatever it is that brings your discouragement, somehow, some way, um, the those that are maturing in Christ, when discouragement comes, there are ways of getting out of the discouragement. Uh, someone that is growing in Christ does not stick in their discouragement for long. Matter of fact, I'll venture to say I would give a a strong, believing, growing Christian in their times of discouragement would probably last just a little bit. Those who are weak in the Lord, your discouragement is going to stay for a long time until we learn how to grow in Christ. And especially that of the area of evangelism. Uh, the greatest discouragement sometimes... Um, for Christians, especially as we're growing um, and, and we think about evangelism, some of the greatest discouragements, even us as Christians, are the lack of evangelism. 
you know, as an evangelist uh, myself and, 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 you know, trying to make this a, um, an everyday lifestyle. Every day I, I want to make sure that someone at least hears about Christ somehow, some way. Uh, when I travel, I want to make sure that, every, that people hear about Christ somehow, some way. Not just behind the pulpit. I'm talking about just in life. I'm talking about out there in the streets and the stores. And, you know, uh, because, again, I can be an ev- a great evangelist behind the pulpit. But if I'm not doing that in personal life, then what's the need of being an evangelist, right? What's the need of telling them about Christ? God has called us to, to, to share the gospel of Christ. And one of the things especially, you know, for example, how many here today have ever been on a mission trip? Been on a mission trip? Maybe a few. How many have never been on a mission trip? Let me encourage you, please. We, ha- we have every opportunity to be able to do so. I want to encourage you to go on a mission trip. Now, if you've ever been on, if, if you've ever been on a mission trip, here's what's pretty, pretty amazing for those that, that have gone on mission trips, especially mission trips outside of the United States. They go outside of the United States, and all of a sudden they begin to see things that we would never see here in the United States. Uh, you can go to a far-off country, and all of a sudden you begin to realize, man, the poverty of the country that they just came from. And all of a sudden, man, they stay there for a week or two weeks, and, and man, they are giving of their lives. They're showing, showing the gospel, and, and people are coming to Christ on a, on, literally on a daily basis. Man, you, you're seeing the dirt poor that are opening up their homes just for you to come in, and, 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 and they are experiencing these things. And then they come to the United States of America, and there's restaurants at every corner. They have air-conditioned homes, and they have a church that can't worship. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, they walk in and think, what's the matter with y'all, right? Again, all of a sudden, there's this, there's this fire that begins to build and begins to burn and begins to burden. And, and as, as missionaries and as, as evangelists, and all of a sudden, we think, man, cannot... Uh, for example, I, I, I believe that one of the greatest rushes of all time is, is seeing someone come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. How many people have ever had that rush? That you're able to see Jesus, Amen. That's the probably the greatest rush you can ever have in your life. Uh, again, there's there a lot of lot of great rushes like the Rattler, at, you know, Fiesta, Texas. That's a great rush. Um, you know, I mean, you know, uh, skydiving. That's a great rush. You know, whatever, uh, whatever your rush is. But one of the greatest rushes of all time is telling someone about Jesus. And, and one of the even greater rushes of all time is seeing them repent of their sins before you. That's probably one of the most amazing things you'll ever experience. Now, if you never experienced that, then you're missing out on. I, I believe one of the most important aspects that God has given to us in our lives is is experiencing. Uh, sharing the gospel with somebody. And I think when we, when we begin to have that, that, evangelist, that, that evangelistic heart, all of a sudden what happens is that all of a sudden some of, the, some of the greatest discouragements of all time is to, is to be a part of a people. Now, please understand what I'm saying here. I'm not talking about just mighty fortune. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I want you to know my heart on this one. I'm talking about just in general that all of a sudden, man, if you don't share the gospel with somebody, all of a sudden if you're sharing the gospel and you recognize that you're around a people that don't have a heart for evangelism, that can be discouraging. True or false? It can. But the mature Christian, when it comes to evangelism, doesn't stay in discouragement for too long because you have a, we have a job to do. And there's purposes as to why we were born and purposes as to why God has created us and purposes of why we are saved. How many people here tonight thank the Lord that you are saved, right? The lesson will, will uh, what I want to, uh, want to address today is how can we become more involved? What do, we need, what, what do we need to do as a church to become more involved in each other's lives? Now, I'm not talking about just each other's lives here as, as membership because that's, that's important as well. We need to learn how to be involved in each other's life. Now, if you're not, if you're not, sharing, the God, if you're not sharing your life with somebody, <clears throat> you're missing out to, to the reason why you're created. 
Let me, say, let me say that again. If you're not sharing your life with somebody, you're missing out as to the reason why you're created. God has created us to share our life with people. And if you're not sharing your life with people, then what, what winds up happening is, is we're missing out on, on, on koinonia. We're, we're missing out on fellowship. <clears throat> I heard this the other day, and it blew me away. You know, the reason why a lot of our churches are going to be are going to be are going to be stunted and not grow is because if you're not inviting people to your own home, like for fellowship and to eat, you're not. Then you're not. You're definitely not going to invite people to your own church. Y'all, y'all hit that. That hit me across the head. If, you, if we are not inviting people to our own home, if we're not inviting people to go out to eat or to break bread or coffee, if we are not fellowshipping together, I promise you, you're probably not even inviting people to your own church because this is your home as well. And when you begin to open up your life and open up your heart, my question to you tonight, and here's my question that I want to ask, and I had to really pray about this. Do I share this on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night? So, well, let's go and start sharing it now. And we're going to share some more this Sunday morning. And that is, how can we become more involved in each other's lives? And how can we be more involved in what God is doing? How many people here tonight, honestly, want to be more involved in what God is doing? Yeah, because that's that's our call. We want to be more involved in what God is doing. And being involved in what God is doing, now please understand this, and you've got to hear this you know, wholeheartedly. Being involved in what God is doing doesn't mean that you've got to travel to preach. That's not, I, I want us to get that out of our heads today. You know, just because I have the privilege of traveling or Josh has the privilege of traveling, trust me, there's more to the, there's more to the travel than, than what you think. Please understand when I go to California and, and he goes to New York, like it doesn't mean that we're on vacation, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I'm saying? We're far from vacation. Matter of fact, if anything, it's work, 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 work. You just wait till you get on the plane, flying six hours back and getting off the plane and seeing your wife and your daughter and they're excited to see you. And all of a sudden you're just exhausted. And you just want to hit the bed. Are you with me? So in other words, I want us to understand that there is um, there's not a lot of glory traveling. But you do, but I do stay in a Holiday exp- Express, though. That's pretty cool, Holiday Express. Um, but there's, no, there's no, sometimes no joy in the traveling. And what I mean by that, folks, is, 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 is the question is, how can we do it here? What is it that we can do to let God just utilize us in, in some amazing ways? Pastor Omar, this past Sunday, talked about a little bit about that subject and how we can be used of the Lord. And, 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 and being used of the Lord is, is, being, is doing what God has called you to do. And I think, again, the main thing is going to be obedience. In our lives, we are called to be obedient, right? We talked about this. How do we know if we belong to the Lord? We obey the Lord, right? We obey His commandments. And this is how we know that we belong to God, because we obey His commandments. Now, if we're going to obey His commandments, then, then this is where we say, God... I want to be involved in what you're doing. As opposed to saying this, and this is what a lot of us do as, as church people. We say, God, here is my program. Now bless it. Lord, here's my ministry. Here's my idea. Now bless it. As opposed to saying, God, whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And I just want to ride the coattail. Are you with me tonight? Big difference. So have your notes. Here we go. Um, the basic idea of a changed life. If we want to be involved, let's go ahead and get down to the basics of, 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 of a few things. Um, i got to wear my glasses now, ladies and gentlemen. I had to go to get my glasses. I don't have reading glasses anymore. I have actual <sighs> glasses. And you know what? These I can't even see through these things. I can actually see better like here. I'm, I'm aware. Okay, here we go. Um, side note. Anyone here wear glasses? Anyone, had a, anyone here have a difficult time trying to Get to get used to them. Okay, so so it's it's natural. How long does it take for you to get used to these things? No, I don't. Yes, today Walmart. Yes, I have what is called progressive lenses. I guess that's the nice way of saying I'm a bifocal dude. 
Yes, sir. Five dollar, right? Five dollar and I, right? He knows a guy that knows a guy, right? <laughs> That's good, bro. Well, if you guys want to pick up a low offering for my lazy, let's do it. Right? I'm playing. Um, basic idea of a change, life. Write it down. Basic idea of a, 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 of a conversion is, 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 is the basic idea of a conversion is change. Write it down. Change. Put down change. The basic idea of a of conversion is change. When God saved us, He what? Amen. How many people here today can say, I am no longer the same? Yes. Again, we're no longer the same. In other words, that's what conversion does to us. It changes our lives. When God changes us, he changes everything about us. He changes the way we think, right? Again, we know this already, but I want to make sure we go back to the basics so we can understand how important it is for us to be involved in what God is doing. He, he, he changes the way we think. He changes the way that we act. Doesn't he not? Does he not change the way we act, right? Does not way change the way you think? How about the way we talk? Does he not change the way we talk? Right. Exactly right. Now, again, are we going to say some dumb things in life? Yes, but that's the difference between maturity and what? Immaturity, yeah, exactly right. God has called us to mature. And that's exactly what Christ wants to do. The basic idea of conversion is, a change, is, is change. The change must include these things. Write this down. A change of heart. When God changes, he's going to change your heart, man. He's going to change your heart towards people. He's going to change your heart towards idiots. Yes, yes, no. Horrible way of saying it, right? But he will change your heart towards the moron. I promise you. There are some people in life that you're just not going to like. That's a part of it, folks. But guess what? God changed your heart for those people. Now, of course, I say that in jest. I don't mean that in any, you know, I'm trying to joke here. But I want us to understand there are going to be people in life that you're not going to like. There are going to be people in life that are going to absolutely get on your last nerve. I promise you. But God changes your heart for them. When God changes you, he changes everything about you. He changes your heart. Write this down. Next, he changes your intellect. He changes the way your intellect. He changes the way you think. The way you used to do things, you no longer do it the way that you used to do it. The way you used to... Philosophize, if you will, right? Philosophize, that's the right word? That's the right word. The way that your philosophies, there you go, your philosophies. The philosophizer, that's horrible. A philosophizer. Uh, 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 your philosophies change, right? The way you used to uh, 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 think, your intellect. How about your, your will? Does he not change your will? Yes? How does, he change, how does he change your will? Because one day it was according to what you desire, and now it's according to what? What God desires and what God wants. So he changes your heart. He changes your intellect. He changes your will. How about, how about changes your emotions? Does he not change your emotions, ladies and gentlemen? Let me ask you a question. When you got saved, did, did, did God not change your emotions? Yes or no? Yes. Someone share with me very briefly, 30 seconds. How did God change your emotions? Anyone? Okay, love. He changes maybe the, uh, hate to love, right? Okay, yes, ma'am. There you go. Makes you more sensitive. Very true. What else? Has God changed you? Yes. Passion. Yes. Oh, compassion. Yes. No doubt about it. Or passion or compassion. Yes. No doubt about it. He changes those things. He changes your heart. He changes your intellect. He changes your will. And he changes your emotions. Again, these things are our being. In other words, you know, back in the day, if if we were in the world, there's some of us that would wear our emotions on our what? On our sleeve. And everyone knew exactly what you felt. People knew that, man, when he walked in the room, I'm going to tell it how it is. Now, as a Christian, does that not absolutely just stop you for a quick second and give you discernment and saying, maybe I shouldn't say a word here. Just because it's the right thing to say doesn't mean it's the right time to say it, right? Again, God gives discernment as to what to say and how to think. But that takes what? 
Starts with an M, ends with maturity. There you go, maturity. It takes maturity. He not only changed your heart, he not only changed your intellect, your will, your emotions. Write that down. He changed your conduct. Does he not change your conduct? So we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. And when you find it, please stand and read con ganas. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. Please stand and read it with power. Go ahead, sister. I saw you, I saw you there. Go ahead and stand up and read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Verse 9 to verse 9. Amen. That's it. Yeah, amen. That's pretty much simple, right? Again, the, the adulterer, the swindler, the gossips, the malice, the envious, all these things. And the Bible says, when Christ changed your life, does he not change your conduct? Someone very quickly in 20 seconds or less, share with me how God changed your conduct. How did God change your conduct? When you came to know Christ, who were you before Christ and who are you now after Christ? Show and share with me very quickly. How did God change your conduct? Yes. Very good. Now, how many people here, well, you may, could, you, you might, but some of y'all here, how, how many you can see as, as you see our brother, our uh, uh, brother Omar, uh, who is a pastor as well, and, and uh, you know, he's conservative and in his dress and, and uh, great looking beard and uh, great family, right? How many here today could have seen him as a party animal? Kind of difficult now to see that, right? Yeah, because God changes your what? Your conduct. When, we sh- when should we be concerned when you claim to be a Christian, they can see you still as a party animal? Are you with me? Conduct. Changes our will. Changes our mindset. Changes our heart. Changes our, our intellect. Changes our emotion. Changes our conduct. Write this down. He changes our relationships. Write this down. He changes our relationships. <coughs> the relationships that he changes specifically are those of... Um, uh, with others, right? Does it not change your relationship with others? How many people remember when you, before you're a Christian, your relationships? Someone share with me 20 seconds or less. How is your relationships with whether your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or friends or coworkers? How is your relationship before Christ and now how is your relationship now after Christ? Someone share with me 20 seconds or less. Yes, ma'am. <coughs> Amen. Perfect example. What does light and darkness have in common? Absolutely nothing. Matter of fact, the Bible said don't be unequally yoked, right? You know, I think one of the most difficult things to do is all of a sudden we become a, we're Christians and all of a sudden we start dating non-Christians. That's the worst thing you can ever do in your life. I promise you. Because hear the, hear the other cop out where we say, well, he is a Christian or she is a Christian, but they don't really serve the Lord that will. They're not Christians. I can promise you that. That's a guarantee. And, and what's funny is that we will give our hearts, we will give our emotions, we will give our lives to those that don't know Jesus. And then at the end, they'll get you. It happens like that all the time. 
This is why we got to be, again, it's called what? Maturity. Change your heart, your intellect, your will, your emotions, your conduct, your relationships. He changes, he changes your relationship as a servant, right? Not as a servant, right? He changes, uh, all of a sudden, he gives you more of a servant's heart. How many people here today can say, man, I never had a servant's heart. Now I have a servant's heart. Anyone? Yes? Amen. How about uh, as a citizen? Does he not change your relationship as a citizen? How many people here have ever had a wild party and they always call the cops on you, right? As a citizen, right? How many of you ever ran from the law? I'm not going to arrest you. I promise you. We're good. You know, we're not going to call the cops on you. How many, how many have ever ran from the law? Yeah, I'm sure some of us have. Yeah, how many still run from the law? I'm playing. Um, it changes our hearts as servants of the church or as of people. It changes our hearts as citizens. All of a sudden, man, we're better citizens now. Man, the way that we are in, in, in society, now we have, we have something to give towards society, right? As opposed to trying to be a jerk and always on probation and always got to go this. Man, come on, man. It just matures you. All of a sudden we think, man, what was I thinking? Little kids do these things. And still, even today, we're still messing with 45, 50-year-old kids still in prison and get out of the prison system. And all of a sudden, they've got back to the, to the same old junk. Why? It's immaturity. And immaturity has nothing to do with age, right? It has to do with your conduct. You will. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Amen. That's a, and that's a blessing. Yeah, you know, especially for from someone who came to the Lord at the age of four or five years old, like you have, and have continued to serve the Lord. Yeah, Amen. Those, those are never alone. Amen. Amen. Change your heart as a servant, doesn't it? Change your heart as a citizen. Change your heart. Yes, sir. Yeah. There's no growth. That's right. And and please, let's not also define growth as experience. Well, I've had experience in this. Doesn't mean you're growing. Doesn't mean that you have growth in your life. I, I think I shared this illustration with you before. I was I shared it one last time, and that is, you know, there's there's a young lady. There was a lady who was uh, uh, worked with in, in the science department of her major university for 25 years, and the director of the science department he stepped down. He retired, and so this young this lady said, "Man, I've been with this company. I've been with this, with this university for 25 years. Now I'm going to put in my name to be the director of the science department here at this university. I'm a shoe win. I got 25 years of experience. I got tenure." So sure enough, she put in her application. She thought she was a shoe-in because she had 25 years of experience. A week later, they hired somebody else that has been with the university only five years, and she was livid. She runs into the dean's office, and she just slams the door and says, I cannot believe you. I am appalled, and I'm embarrassed. I've given this university 25 years of my life, and you hire somebody who's only been here for five years. I have 25 years of experience. She just goes on and on and on and on. Until the dean said, ma'am, are you done? She said, yes, I'm finished now. The dean said to her, she said, he, he said, ma'am, you lied on your application. She said, how do I lie on my application? 
Dean said, because you said you had 25 years of experience. She said, I do have 25 years of experience. He said, no. You have, 20, you have 24 years. You have one year of experience. You just repeated it 25 times. This person here grew every year. See, one of the biggest difficulties, if not careful, it doesn't matter how much you know of, this, of your scripture. It doesn't matter how, many times, how much you go. If you're not growing in the Lord, I promise you, you have no experience. You're still, you're still in immaturity. Are you with me, church? God has called us to mature. And if we know scripture, should we not mature? Should we not just be, not only just be hearers, but doers of what we read and study and, and, and memorize? So change your heart, change your conduct, change your will, change your intellect, your emotions, change your relationships. You're a better servant. You're a better citizen. You're a better, you're a better child of God. And unfortunately, I heard this the other day. I thought it was just pretty incredible. 92% of our students are leaving the freshman year in high, in, in high school, I mean, for college, leaving the home. You're talking about children. You're talking about like church people, church kids will leave for the freshman year in college and never come back to church ever again. Because we've been raising our kids in church, but not raising our kids in Christ. Isn't that a big difference? And if not careful, what we're going to wind up doing, we're raising our kids in church. And I promise you, church will burn your kid out. Are you with me? And then sometimes... We have it all mixed up. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to pressure Miho from coming. You got it all messed up. Well, I don't. Well, if Miho doesn't want to come, then I don't want to pressure them because they, 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 if, if, if I make them come, then when they leave, they won't come back. They're still going to come back. I promise you. Have you ever heard the statement "monkey see, monkey do"? Yeah. If, if they see mom and dad inconsistent, then they in turn, I promise you, are going to be just as inconsistent. So if we, if we ever think that, okay, if, if our kids are going to college, all right, and, and, and they show up to college, and all of a sudden, if mom and dad never made it a big deal to truly serve the Lord and to serve Christ, then I promise you when they leave you, mom and dad, they're not going to serve Christ. They're going to do exactly what you taught them, right? So all of a sudden, what happens is that we become more church than we are absolutely scripturally based. What we want to make sure is that our children and our young people and our little kids are growing in the things of God. Uh, because, again, just because you're in church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Are you in church? So this is why we got to make sure that if we are going to raise our, if we're going to raise children up, then we not don't raise them in church, raise them in Christ. When you raise them in Christ, then by nature... God changes what? Their heart, their intellect, their will, their emotion, their conduct, their relationship. They'll be better servants, better citizens, better children of God. And therefore, now a, ch- a life-changing experience begins to happen. Not because you raise them in church. You raise them in Christ. When you raise them to love Jesus with all the heart, the soul, and their mind, the strength, to love their neighbor as they love themselves, as the greatest two commandments of all time, and we show them these things, then when they grow older, they will not depart from what they were taught. They, do, they were not taught church life. They were 
taught Christian life. There's a big difference between being taught church life and Christian life. Church life will wear you out. Church life will bore you. Church life, man, is, is, can be a pain sometimes. But when we train our children and our people to love God with all they've got, and you train them in Christ, then the church is going to be the flow of what they go through. Are you with me so far, church? Amen. And that's exactly what we're looking at here. It's, 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 all, it's all maturity. We want to make sure that our children mature in the things of God. And I think what happens is that we have, write this down, write this down, wrong view of the local church. I think we all have a, I think sometimes we can have the wrong view of a local church. Some view the church as an agency that will have an impact on the world, watch this, simply because of numerical strength or because of the size of their building or because of the offering that comes in. Y'all catch that? Are you, are, are you in the church? You catch that? Can I say it again? Some of you are in and out. Yes? Okay. Stay with me. Some of, the, some of us view the church as an agency and not the body. We, should, we view it as an agency. Some of you here this morning or tonight may view the church as an agency. And you view, it as, you, view, you view it as an agency that will have an impact on the world simply because it's a big church, because they have a big building with lots of rooms, and because maybe they bring in good tithe. And unfortunately, there may be some here today that may see the church in that way. Obviously, we don't have a big building, <laughs> right? We don't have a lot of people. And when we start tithing right, then maybe we have more money, right? Amen? But are you with me, church? Sometimes, if not careful, we begin to see church as an agency. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of us are not even involved. Because it's the place to do, or the place to go, or, and the things to do on Sunday morning. When we begin to see church as the thing to do on Sunday morning, my brother, my sister, you missed it. If church is the place you go on Wednesday nights, if you can, then you missed it. If church is that Sunday morning ease my conscience. I was at the club Saturday night. Got to come give Jesus my respects because I did some crazy stuff. Then you missed it. And we'll always stay in that immaturity for the rest of our lives. Are you the church? And sometimes that's how we see church. Yeah, I'll go if I want to. Nah, I won't go today. So I was good. We have a birthday party, you know, by the time. Are you with me? Time I get up, time I go. Just relax. You know what I'm going to do one day? Probably not. You'll fire me. <clears throat> but what if I just didn't get up on Sunday morning? What would you do if all of a sudden Pastor Sammy didn't show up? I promise you, there will be an APB out for me, wouldn't there? Where's he at? Where's he at? And all of a sudden you call my wife. Oh, he's right here sleeping, just chilling. We're going to have a barbecue in the back. We're going to mow the lawn. What the Cowboys play think or lose, right? Amen. Uh, <laughs> how would you? Right, it's horrible, bro. <clears throat> how would you feel? I promise you, think, oh, wait, 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 hold on, pastor. No, you can't do that. Why? Because you're the pastor. Is it because I'm a pastor? But isn't it funny how you could do it? What's the difference? Share with me just one difference. And please don't say money because then you missed it. And please don't say position, because then you miss it. Someone got a better idea? Was that? 
Could be. Yeah. What else? Because isn't it funny? Because all of a sudden, we hold on, Pastor. You can't, you can't, you can't compare me and you. Yes, I can. And let me tell you why I will. Because my position has nothing to do with my spirituality whatsoever. My spirituality happened because August 13th of 91, Jesus rocked my world. And he absolutely saved every bit, every bit about me, man. I just had the privilege of doing this. But even if I've never did this, he'd still be my life. And I still serve in whatever capacity that he wants me to serve. If you as a church said, Pastor, we're done. Thank you for being our pastor. We're done. And you are no longer our pastor. Guess what? That won't stop me from giving Jesus absolutely everything. I get to do this because I'm privileged to do this. So what's the difference between you and me? Absolutely nothing. Because the same Holy Spirit that sealed me is the same Holy Spirit that sealed you. The same Jesus that saved your life is the absolute same Jesus saved my life. And the same Bible that I read is the same Bible that, that you read. It may be different translation, but it's the Word of God. Are you with me today? Yes, sir. <coughs> That's it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hunger, right? Different mindset, right? Different right? Different intellect, different conscience. Because man, when you're in Christ, it's like yes, yes, I'm with you on that. You cannot wait to be there. The more you know, the more you want to know. It's called hunger, right? And when you're hungry, it's hard to it's hard to to devour it as cuz you got to keep on devouring that thing. You can't want to keep on biting into what God wants to do. Has God not been good to you? Yeah. And sometimes, if not careful, we're going to start seeing the church as an agency. Eh, you know, hey, yeah, every church has, a, has their world connection. Depends on how big they are, how big their building is, and how much money they bring in. That's their, that's their connection. And unfortunately, we've seen church the wrong way. And if not careful, this outlook destroys involvement because it makes the church an agency. Sometimes we think, when if I join up and support expansion and increase wealth, I'm a Christian. If I show up, join the church, give the offering plate, maybe show up to a couple of their events, we automatically assume that we're doing good Christianity. That's not good Christianity. Good Christianity is not showing, just merely showing up. And giving the offering plate and, 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 and maybe getting involved in some sort of ministry. Or maybe, ah, let's go to a Friday night Bible study. Yeah, what the heck, might as well go out there. And all of, all of a sudden, we automatically think and assume that is my, that's my good deed for the week. And we miss the whole concept of what it means to be the church. And being the church has nothing to do with the agency as much as it has to do with the maturity in you and giving of your life, not necessarily just to, just to this body, but giving your life to those that need to know the Word of God. That's where evangelism comes in. It's a, it's, it's, it's a growth process. It's knowing who we are in Christ. And not only knowing who we are in Christ, it's growing in that process. We, because when you start growing in the Lord, I promise you, you want nothing more than to be involved. How many know what I'm talking about today? Where, man, you cannot wait. I mean, please understand, man, on Wednesday nights, I am excited just to show up on Wednesday nights. On Sunday mornings, trust me, 
I get up and I'm excited because, man, I, I'm going to have coffee in the morning. And there's, there's, that, there's that certain feel on Sunday morning. Uh, for me, it is. I, I'll wake up and, man, I get in the shower, man, and get out and start getting dressed, put some coffee on, put the blinds up and let the sun come in. And man, I think, man, this going to be a good Sunday, man. I don't know who's going to show up, but, man, I cannot wait to just be with my brothers and sisters. Please, please understand what I'm saying here today because I'm saying this before the Lord. I, I'm like, man, I cannot wait to be with my brothers and sisters. Notice what I said. I didn't say I, I can't wait to preach. I said, I cannot wait to be with my brothers and sisters. Connection. See how you're doing. That's church. That's being the church. And that is exactly what Christ wants to do. If not that, what happens is, man, if we have the, out, the, the outlook of, of church being an agency and just a building to show up at because we're going to show up because that's what we do, then you miss the maturity level. Because that's not church. That's not being the church. Yes, sir. That's right. Count the cost. <laughs> exactly right. That's right. Exactly right, bro. right. Amen. That's right. Amen. Thank you. Exactly right. Yes, sir. That's right.
Yeah, that's exactly. You know, it, it, it boils, yeah, you're right. It boils down to, to a game of follow the leader, doesn't it? Even when Paul says, uh, follow me as I follow Christ, that's a, that's a, that's a tough, that's a strong statement. Exactly right. Teaching. What did you say, Sam? Oh. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. You know, and again, I want us to grasp this. Yeah, amen. I want us to grasp this. It's not about church attendance. And if you think it's about church attendance, you miss it as well. Please understand, no one's taking your attendance as to when you show up, when you don't show up. And all of a sudden, that can be a turnoff too, right? Well, sure, I got to go. No, no, you don't got to go. When you are in love with Jesus and his church, you cannot help but always be want to be around them. Are you with me? That's the big difference. As we grow in the Lord together, we are learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And knowing what, that the church, that you are the church, and the church is not this building. And to recognize that the church is not also is not, is not an agency. I put it down, it says, uh, <clears throat> why does it happen? The church becomes an agency that, watch this, allows one to hire another to do his work. You catch that? That's what we have, what we call staff. Ah, that's what we got staff. Yeah, I want to go to a big church. They got, they got staff. They got a pastor or pastors. They have deacons. They have elders. They have children's ministry. They have youth ministry. They have a complete support system of staff. And they are the hired hands. So it is our responsibility, right, to hire the hired hands and let them do it because that's why we pay them to do it. Now, I'm not saying that that's how you think. I'm just saying, if not careful, that's how many may think. They may think in those, in those terms. Well, you're the pastor. Or you're the deacon. You're this. So guess what? You got to do that. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Time out on that one. Then we start looking at the church as an agency. I'm sorry? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And of course, if not careful, then all of a sudden we think that all leaders are supposed to get the wayward. No. If we want to get in the biblical context here, it is the member's responsibility to do the job of that. You are your brother's keeper. Are you with me? This is why it is our responsibility to make sure that, look, that people are not coming to an agency. I'm thank the Lord for our logos and thank the Lord for our T-shirts, and I love them. But, man, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be false advertisement. If we're going to be Mighty Fortress Christian Fellowship, then let's be a Christian fellowship. Let's connect. And that's what we want to make sure of, is that there's a connection amongst the body. But watch this. I can't start the connection. If that's the case, I, I will have to connect over 300 and something people. Not one man can do that, folks. This is why the church is in connection with each other. Remember what, remember what Peter said? Raise up, raise up seven men of, of like mind there. We can't, we, I, we can't handle the, the tables. To serve the tables, you guys get seven guys that can do it. As for us, you're talking about the elders, the pastors? Man, we got to be in the study of the scriptures and in prayer. Because I promise you, man, if anyone gets hit the most, I promise you as the pastor. Promise you. 
Hang out with me for five hours. And I'm not saying that to say I'm better. No, not at all. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. But what I am saying is that if we want to be the church, it's, it's, a, it's a part of maturity, right? It's a part of growth. It's part of the process. That's the only responsibility of individual members is to show up and pay his dues. And oftentimes, that's, that's what we feel. Hey, as long as I show up and give my tithes. Is that all that Christ has called us to do? It's to show up and give our tithe. No. Give me just one word. What, some, what, what, is Christ, what, is, what has God called us to do for the body of Christ? Just one word, quickly. What, is, what does he call us to do as the body of Christ? What, what shall we do among the body? To love. What else? Share. What else? Preach. What else? Obey. What else? Pray for each other. What else? Serve. Support. Encourage. There you go. Amen. To just lift each other up higher than your own self. Give them the high seat, right? And not you. They're greater than you. And we, we, when we can learn to do that, you'd be pretty amazing. If we can learn to just give the, uh, your brother the higher seat and to ascend them greater than you, you, you've got something. One guy, two guys did that in the Bible. Two men did that, absolutely did that in the Bible. One was Jesus himself. He set himself higher than, even on the cross, he set himself lower than even the, than the angels, the Bible says. And even as low as to death and death on the cross. Second guy that did it was God by the name of Stephen. He was being stoned to death. And what did he cry out? Lord, forgive them. He got it. He understood. And the Lord gave him a standing ovation in heaven. Stood up from the, from the, from the, from the throne. And, and the Bible said, and Stephen said, I looked up to this guy and I saw Jesus standing. That's a standing ovation, ladies and gentlemen. When you and I learn to do that, you'd be pretty amazing. It's growth. It's a growth process. It's a growth pattern. We're going to talk about this a little bit more next week, but I just want to just, just share those things because, again, uh, this Sunday we'll be talking about that as well, maturity. We've got to go to maturity. And it's taking, now, do we take steps? Yes, we take steps. But quit taking yearly steps. Take daily steps. Are you with me? We live day to day. We don't live just year by year. We live day to day. We live moment by moment. For no one knows the time of the hour when Christ comes back, and no one knows, and we're not promised tomorrow. The Bible says you are like a vapor. You see it for a quick second, then you're gone. So if you want to have your walk with Christ year by year, you missed it. You and I should have it moment by moment, thought by thought, day by day, every day, saying, God, I want to make sure that when I wake up in the morning that I am not the same person I was yesterday, and next week I'm definitely not the same person I was a month ago. In other words, I want to make sure that my life is constantly in tune and growing in you. This takes maturity. So let's pray together, shall we? Give the Lord. Amen. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, because there is no God like you. And so, Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us these opportunities, Father God, to just get into your word and just to understand some things about you and, and about us and to the things that you desire us to do and to live by. Father, there... We thank you, Lord, because you have called us to maturity. You've called us to grow in you. You call us, Father God, to take steps, not necessarily year by year or month by month. You're talking about day by day. And, Lord, we want to take it day by day, thought by thought, putting all of our thoughts under the obedience of the Holy Spirit at all times. So that, Father God, so that in all that we do, Lord, you would be glorified and, and, and lifted high. Father, may we lift up each other higher than us. And, Lord, help us to understand that the, body, that the body of Christ is not an agency. It's not a place that we go to just to sit around on Sunday mornings. But, Lord, it's a place where we connect. 
where we serve, where we love, where we encourage, where we lift up others higher than ourselves, where we help others and walk with others through this adventure we call Christianity. So, Father, help us to be better servants of you. Change our mind, our intellect, our conduct, our hearts. Change our will. And, Father God, may it all conform to yours at all times. So, Father, again, blessings I pray upon your people. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Ushers, come.